I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hey, Daria Rose here. Welcome to The Foodist Podcast. Today, I'm coaching Ellen, whose problem I enjoy because it is both super specific, which means she has narrowed in on a specific behavior that she would like to change, and it's also very unique. So usually on this show, I try to find people with problems that I know apply to a good chunk of the audience, but Sometimes it feels like you have a problem that is so specific to you and so intractable that you can't get past it. And you think, well, you know, maybe those other things can be solved by those people, but my problem is so specific that it's just not fixable. And so I'm, I'm screwed. That is not the right mindset, as you might imagine. Um, But I wanted to tackle that kind of problem on the show today, just to show you how to go about thinking about it, because these things come up, you know, you everybody has unique circumstances, and you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes you need to work your way through a difficult one. So Ellen's situation is a perfect example of something. I mean, she has a very specific issue where she gets frustrated at dinner time with her husband and her son for eating a lot of food that she's slaved over and not really appreciating it or even leaving her enough to enjoy. And this has brewed a little bit of resentment and some other problems. And it's, it's more complicated than, than that. And you, you can hear it in the episode. But what I want you to pay attention to is the way we tackle the problem. Because in any situation, there are going to be two kinds of influences that are unique to your problem. There's always going to be the environment, right? The external things that you may or may not be able to control. So, you know, whether that's the, the space you're working in, the amount of time you have, the humans you're interacting with in this exchange, there's a lot of factors there. But what unites this group of uh, factors is that they're outside of you, Then there's the internal game, right? Your mindset, your limiting beliefs, your own personal history of dealing with this particular problem and what you bring to the table, you know, how mindful you are coming in, all these things, you know, how much you love the people you're interacting with. So those are two separate things. And when you think about your own health style issues, you have to address those things separately. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is to change the outside factors. Sometimes that's straightforward. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can't change those at all. In that case, you know, you can go then to internal factors and those are harder to change generally, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes if you just recognize that you have an issue, that is very empowering. And you can then go go about changing yourself, which is always a little bit more, you know, it's hard, it's not easy, but it's to some extent more doable than changing, having the world adapt to you. So these things all need to be thought through when you're dealing with a problem. And this, you know, for Ellen, you know, maybe you do have a similar situation to her, but if you don't, this is a good way, you know, her and I are very systematic and we go through and we think about how to tackle this kind of problem from both those angles. And we, we brainstorm a lot of ideas. We, we, you know, we weigh the pros and cons of, of approaching it in different ways. And so you can get a good sense of the problem solving tactics you can use for a very unique problem that's specific to you. So I hope all that made sense and that you enjoy. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How can I help you today? So um, I've had 
pretty good success over the years in um, tackling a bunch of small habits. Um, I'd say I started that kind of after my kids quit nursing um, and, you know, my metabolism was starting to slow down a little bit and just like looking for ways to um, like trim a couple pounds here and there. And I'd say that like I never really had to lose like 10 or 15 pounds um, at once. It's just like, you know, one or two. So just kind of like picking off habits. So mm-hmm. I'm a runner. And the way I like to think of it is uh, at the end of a race, when you're, you know, you're really trying to push hard and everything, you're kind of like picking a person in front of you and kind of like reeling them in um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that yeah. so that you're like, you know, kind of like finishing the race strong and faster than you started. So um, that's my goal. I, I plan to be running like really, really fast when I'm 90. <laughs> I love it. What a wonderful goal. Yeah. So I've been picking off habits and um, I'd say, you know, over the years, like I've picked off the low hanging fruit. So there's um, the things I'm working on now are getting like a little bit harder. That's a great strategy, by the way. Good job. Thank you. People like to think they need to start with the hard stuff, but starting with the easy stuff is oh, no. much easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so lots of, I mean, at the time, it seemed not easy, but looking back, it was, it's easier than what I'm doing now. <laughs> okay. So at least there's that. The issue I'm having right now is um, I have this habit of slight overeating um, that's kind of like emotionally triggered by my husband of all people. Like I totally love the guy, but yeah. So we have kind of like this issue between us. Like, I think we both bring something to it. So the, the deal is that um, I cook six nights a week and he cooks one night a week. Like that's not an arrangement that I super love, but it is kind of what we've negotiated, but I still feel like a little bit resentful about it. And uh, what happens is like towards the end of the meal, Sometimes I will like dip into whatever we're having and take like one extra spoonful, like not a lot, like seriously, not a lot, like maybe like a hundred calories more of something. Um, But I know that this like adds up over time. And so, you know, as I mentioned, I'm trying to like get rid of those little habits one by one. So this is, you know, this is something I'm kind of looking to, to eliminate. And I, I feel like I have a couple hacks uh, that I use to avoid doing that. And they work a lot of the time, but my real goal would be to kind of eliminate that resentment and bad feeling. Cause I feel like it, it kind of ruins a little bit of the, the dinner and, you know, when dinner's ruined, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a very unique problem. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, I love it. Not, not, for your struggle, but because it's something I have, I've never heard anything like this before and in, in all the people that I talk to, but it's a great illustration of way, a way we can just tackle, like everybody's problems are unique, right? And like, like you're saying, we have 10 that we like work our way through to optimize our health style. And, you know, you see, it sounds like you're stuck on like this, this little one. And it's great because a lot of people have something like that, you know, something where it's, you know, you're not going to find a book about how to solve this particular problem or whatever, but it's important to you and you still want to solve it. And I like that we can like work through this in a way for everyone to hear so that they can see that, you know, all problems can be approached in sort of a logical and, and way that optimizes for, 
for your better self. So what I'm hearing from you, um, just to clarify, so I, I suppose that that could make you gain a little bit more weight. You're right, like not very much, and it's not a very big amount of food. For me, what's a bigger deal is the fact that you said that this puts a damper on your family meals. Like that's a super big bummer, sounds like. Yeah, yeah yes, exactly. So that's, you know, like I said, I, I can mostly control like the overeating and, um, and I have, you know, these couple hacks that I, I basically, uh, have used to, um, to do that, but it's, you know, sometimes I actually like go in the bathroom before we sit down to eat, like everything's ready, go in the bathroom and like take, you know, five deep breaths or something and be like, okay, I'm just going to like wash off that like bad feeling of, you know, of like being basically pissed off that I just, you know, spent an hour making dinner. Um, and so that I can like go to the table, like a little more calm and, uh, you know, basically just try to re- reset my mood or something. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a really great tactic. You're, you're basically trying to bring mindfulness into it so that you can defuse from that really strong trigger. Right. But I'm actually not very good at it, <laughs> <You're not> good. <laughs> but that's hard. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> Um, so the, the other things I've done are, uh, so part of the feeling is like, I've made this meal and my husband and my, um, my one son who's still at home as, uh, they eat like enormous amounts of food. Like I just can't even fathom how much food they eat. And I'm constantly like doubling and tripling sort of normal family recipes. And then it's just like all gone in what feels like minutes. Um, mm. and so oh, I can see why that's frustrating. Yeah. So partly I'm just kind of like pissed off, like, Hey, I just, you know, like this, this is the intermission between, you know, cooking and cleaning up like the 10 minutes that you guys just inhale that food. It's and, like you want to sit down and have this nice meal and it's just like vacuum cleaners, just like sucking it out. It's from under you. okay. So it's not just that it's like, it's even like a little more complicated. So, um, like, frankly, I'm jealous of the fact that they can just like eat this enormous amount of food and I can't, you know, and it's, I can't because I'll gain weight, but also, you know, like I'll feel sick and disgusting. So interesting. what are you jealous of then? I don't know. Just like, uh, <laughs> that's a really good question, but the not caringness. Um, I don't think it's that so much as like, I sometimes just really wish I was a guy and had like the amazing metabolism that could just like eat a lot of food. Like I like eating. I really like eating. I'm a really good cook. The stuff I make is, you know, I'll just say it's like pretty amazing. And like, I just, I want to have sort of like my fair share of it. So I think that's partly why I'm... It's like FOMO. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I've, I've even tried like, so, you know, there's a few things that I'm like better than other things. And um, I've even tried to like put them into the rotation like a little more often so that, so I won't have that like, oh my God, this is my only time this year to have this thing. So really smart strategy. Yeah. Didn't work though. But well, I mean, it works (laughs) kind of, but honestly, it's like when I'm taking those bites, I know all this stuff. Like I can even like say it to myself and I'm still like, darn it. (laughs) I'm just going to have this anyway. It's just like, I'm just like, I, sometimes I call it like eating in spite, you know, it's just like spiteful eating and it, it just makes no sense. And it's a complete like, um, feeling in my, you know, in my gut and my heart and my head is trying to overrule it. And sometimes, you know, the head loses. Yeah. Yeah. That's t- typically how it goes. Yeah. 
there's a lot there. It's very, uh, it's a, it's a very strong emotional trigger that is, yeah, I can say, I, I can feel how frustrating that is. Like it, I can feel it for sure. Um, let's, let's back up a teensy bit. I'm curious how you came to this negotiation that you resent. Yeah. So, um, what do you get out of it? What's yeah. in it for you? <laughs> That's a really Sounds good like question. Not very fair. It, it doesn't feel fair to me. And, and fairness, actually, like I grew up with brothers and, you know, I think that fairness is like a really big thing for me. Also, like I work in tech and um, I'd say that, you know, 80 or 90% of the people I work with are men. And so I'm kind of like in this sort of like constant low level battle to like, just stand up for myself, which is like, it's fatiguing, like to, you know, just kind of be like that all the time. Plus I have sons, I have no, you know, and I didn't have any sisters. Like I basically don't, have never lived with women. I don't know. It's just like very competitive. Like, uh, I really relate. I, I actually, I grew up, my mom was kind of not in the picture. I mean, she was when I was younger, but then it was mainly just me, my dad and my brothers. And then, yeah, I'm in science. So <laughs> it's always been me. I'm one of the guys and I can like drink beer with you and burp and do all sorts of boy <laughs> things and it's cool because I'm the cool chick and yeah but, but you're right but it, but, you're, but at the same time you're not you're still a girl and you still get treated that way sometimes and it's still you still get talked over and not taken as seriously and certain things and it's it, yeah it's exhausting it is it is yeah so um so how the how the negotiation happened so um when my first son was born. He was like, he had like all kinds of issues. And, um, I wasn't really planning to stay home for like a really long time, but I ended up staying home for a little more than a year with him. And he just happened to be a baby that like fell asleep kind of when the sun went down, which sounds great. Except then he would like wake up at 3am. So, uh, I know that you're embarking on that situation <laughs> soon. And, Can't wait. You know, I'm, I'm super hoping that you, you get the the good one that, you know, <laughs> sleeps when you want to sleep. So anyway, you know, so there I was at like six o'clock in the evening, kind of like he went to sleep and I, you know, I was not sleepy. And so it just kind of made sense for me to make dinner. Um, and before that, like my husband and I were together for, I don't know, like 10 years before we had kids. And, you know, we would often either cook together or go out. We did, went out a lot because we were both in like kind of, you know, intense jobs and um, also like making enough money and everything. So it was like, we actually really enjoyed going out. So anyway, this kind of like, you know, June Cleaver thing of me staying home with the baby and cooking was like pretty new, but it, it kind of made sense at the time. Um, but then it just kind of, you know, like stuck. And how long ago was that? Um, like 20 years ago. Okay. So, um, my God, you've been doing this for 20 years. Well, not quite. So it has, <laughs> it has changed and I feel like it's actually become more irritating. So, um, okay. you know, I had a second baby came along and then it's just like those years when you've got like two toddlers, that's just like chaos. Um, so honestly, I could barely even remember what we did. Like somehow food got made. Somehow you got fed. <laughs> yeah. But I think one thing that happened is once my um, sons became teenagers and, you know, food vacuum cleaners, just making enough food became like more challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also I think before that I was more, you know, my husband was like kind of adamant about the three piles of food on the plate, which I literally hate, but like the protein, the veg and the 
start. (laughs) And at some point I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with that. You know, I'm, I'm not making three piles of food on the plate anymore where there's so many more things to have. Um, I think around that time, like we just started eating a lot more vegetables because they started making like a lot more curries and things like that. And like the chopping the vegetables, like it can take a good long time to um, Mm -hmm. chop enough. Yeah. And to just, I mean, it's, there's like something sort of calming and therapeutic about that, but it's also, it's just, you know, having like a couple of teenagers and, you know, working full time and, um, everything. It's just like, there, I just felt like there was never enough time to do that. I would say that, you know, for me being a mom and doing the job I do has like, I am a super expert of doing like a zillion things at once. And I can keep a ton of stuff in my head. And, uh, you know, I do even like that night that he cooks, like I have completely planned what he's going to cook and I get it all out of the fridge and put it on the counter so that he doesn't even have to find it. So literally all he is doing is like the 45 minutes of actual cooking. I don't know. There, there could be other solutions to this. Like we could get more takeout, although we kind of live in sort of a desert of takeout, unfortunately. Um, so there's like not good choices for that. And I've thought about, you know, doing like one of those massive cooks on the weekend to kind of ease things up. And and it's just, I don't know, when the weekend comes, I just don't want to spend my whole day in the kitchen. No? <laughs> no. Not after spending all week in the kitchen? <laughs> no, no. So, I mean, we do have a couple things. Like we have, our farm stand has like a uh, really good soup. And so, you know, maybe once every week to two weeks, we'll just have like their really good soup um, and a salad. So you've really thought through your options. Yeah. I mean, I feel like what I need is fewer hacks and more of a reframe. Mm -hmm. Like somehow I just need to be okay with this situation. And like, somehow I just need to like re-fall in love with cooking instead of just thinking of it as like the drudge. You know, I love to eat. We like going out. We travel a lot. There are definitely times when I have, you know, just like anything, your interest uh, um, ebbs and flows you know, over time. And so there are times when, you know, we'll go out to eat and I'll be like, well, I'm going to recreate this at home and get like all excited about it. And, you know, then I'm less resentful, but like, I would say like a good over half the time now I'm pretty irritated. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It is. You're doing a lot. Okay. Let me, how, how long before your next son is out of the a couple, a couple years. <laughs> Out of the house. <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> okay, so I mean, there is a there is a time boundary here. It's true. It is um, true. So, but that's a long time still. So, I, if it was like in six months when <laughs> or whenever, like if he was a senior, it would, be, it would be maybe a different approach then. But if you've got a few years left, then it sounds like something that needs to be addressed more fundamentally. It really sounds like you need to cook dinner fewer times a week. That would be a good thing. And I mean, yes, we, 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 we will also have a conversation about the, the resentment and frustration, but I, f- I don't feel like a lot of headway is going to happen there until there is at least a little relief um, and you don't feel resentful because, that's, you know, as long as that's true, it's going to be really hard, borderline impossible to not feel it, right? Right. You can't control your feelings. 
Exactly. So, you know, I'm wondering if if this might end up being a conversation about like, how do you, how do you talk to your husband about making this easier on you? I mean, when's the last time it's even come up like that you've, you two have even talked about it? Well, it, it definitely came up in like the last month because my, um, my work bumped up. Like I got some more responsibilities and there was, you know, my hun, my son who's in high school has like a lot of, you know, he's just like a, like a crazy number of activities and he's an athlete and, you know, like that window for like getting home from work, making dinner and making sure he's like off on his, you know, whatever he has to do is, is really narrow. And it just, you know, I feel like I'm on, you know, whatever those uh, reality TV shows are that I hear about, but have never seen of people like trying to cook really fast. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's just like, there, there's something slightly entertaining about that, like now and then. Like, it's like, whoa, can I make this? You know, and it's like, I have the Jamie Oliver, like Meals and Minutes cookbook, which is ridiculous, you know, that he can, like, I'm I'm a very good cook. I'm very good with a knife and everything, but it's just like, oh my God, you think that someone can make like these four dishes in 30 minutes? You are not. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so anyway, it's just like there's entertainment value in there, but that's not like a way to live. So, right. I mean, there were a couple of times when I came to dinner, you know, I put the food on the table and I was just like in tears. I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Like we need, you know, we need to do something different. And, you know, my husband's like, he's open to discussion and he'll say like, okay, well, you know, we can have much more simple stuff, you know, or we can get the takeout, but it's like the takeout is gross. It's like really gross Chinese food or gross pizza. And, you know, I mean, it's like, I just, honestly, I'd rather cook than eat that stuff. So, yeah. So that's kind of what it comes down to. So he's open to it, but then, you know, and it's just like, could you please like, you know, just like maybe one, one extra day, like every two weeks, you know, like on that Wednesday that I have like a really hard, you know, thing where I have like a, a late thing at work, you know, can you do something? And he's like, well, I have the other thing on Wednesday, you know, it's like, there's always an answer. So I kind of realized after, you know, well, more than 20 years of marriage that there's some things that, you know, you just don't get to decide, you don't get to have them exactly the way you want. Does he ever feel that? Um, whoa, <laughs> I had a feeling this might end up feeling more like a, you know, relationship counseling than, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds like even the one day that you, that he does it, you make it so easy for him. I mean, if he, if his argument, the first argument you gave me that he said was, you know, I, I can't do the cognitive work of cooking, but you do that for him too, seven days a week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like you're asking him to do that. He's a really good person for uh, figuring out like a counter argument for everything. <laughs> so <laughs> it, um, I'm not really sure how to put that. I, I'm the same way. I get it. Like, yeah, yeah. It drives my husband nuts because he's like, you are an arguing ninja. I cannot win. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I imagine how difficult it is being on the other side. Yeah, except this time I'm right. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so he, he has some issues surrounding food also that he kind of brings to the table. So one of those is that he, uh, you know, going back to his childhood and I'm, I've talked to his mom about this and she has no idea what he's talking about, but he said he was always worried that there was not going to be enough food. 
And so he has kind of made me responsible for him getting enough food, which is crap. I mean, and I've told him, I'm, you know, I'm not responsible for you getting enough food. Like if, you know, if we finish dinner and there's no food left, you can go find something else to eat. You know, you're a big boy. And, um, and that's, you know, my, I'm done. When dinner's done, I'm done. (laughs) And he finds that really painful to take. So I feel like I'm already like treading on his issue, like, you know, like this thing that he has, you know, that just makes it hard to press more hard on the same issue. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, Right, because, you know, my gut is to frame it as as like a, a team effort and, and how, you know, like clearly you're at the end of what you're capable of contributing to this and you've been doing it forever. And it seems completely reasonable to ask for help with that. But it, yeah, but I could see why he, it's, it's tricky to say, no, but I also don't want to eat crappy food. <laughs> so you, that means you need to cook. And yeah, I can see why that's difficult. Uh, I don't know enough about <laughs> your, t- your relationship um, to, to help there. Have you guys, have you considered those like meal kits, like Blue Apron or I don't know what they are. There's a lot of them. I have, uh, I mean, you know, we get like something in the mail, it seems like every other day um, about those things. And I feel like that's not really the issue. Really the issue is like that time spent in the kitchen. So that still means that time. Like I'm actually okay with planning the meals. You know, I just try to find like an hour to figure out what we're going to have for the week. And then uh, I make the list. I go to the store, you know, if I need to go to like the farm stand once or twice other times in the week, that's fine. It's like on the way home from work. I was almost thinking more for him. Oh, I see. Because it's one of those things that I, I know that like there was this brief glorious period where we were, our friends had a, had one of those <laughs> as a startup and we were getting them a couple times a week and he was so excited to do it. Like he doesn't really, I mean, I'm, I cook most of the meals every once in a while he cooks, but those he loved because they were simple and the food always turned out good and he felt like he was contributing. Oh yeah. I didn't really think of that. I mean, because I feel like it's all, you know, stuff that I normally do. I didn't even think that like that would be something that he, um, could do. Or even your teenager. (laughs) Yeah, actually. So I, both my kids know how to cook. They're really good cooks. They're, it's like a slow process for them, but you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and they each went through a period where they would cook once a week, which is partly why it's come to kind of like a head right now. So my son who's in high school is like in the middle of his, um, you know, really intense athletic season. So, um, he just has no time at all to do that. And my other son is off at college. So, um, but they have, you know, that was definitely like a huge relief. They weren't ever doing it like at the same time. So I didn't get like, you know, two more nights off, but, um, I would definitely get one more night off. You know, they were like super happy to contribute we always gave them like tons of praise for making it stuff and they learn all kinds of stuff about cooking. So that was like a super great thing. Um, and it is just like not happening right now. Yeah. I feel like your prime targets are getting somebody to pick up the slack on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like those are the days where, what is their excuse again? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what your kid's like schedule is, but uh, you know, he might be busy, but I doubt your husband's busy on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we do um, sometimes during the fall and some of the winter is on Sundays, we'll like, you know, watch our team uh, play football and, um, and then we'll have, we just call it football dinner and it's, um, you know, it's like grilled cheese sandwiches or something super easy and any, you know, I'll just be like, okay, somebody cut the cheese, you know, somebody slice the bread, um, you know, kind of thing. And, and I just make it into like, you know, okay, we're making this now, you know, if you want that dinner, <laughs> we're making it, you're making it. So then that is easier. So that's, you know, but somehow then football season is over and we don't do that anymore, you know, and we're not just going to like sit and watch some other dumb TV instead. So, you know, so, so there are like little, little reprieves like that, but the, just kind of like the daily grind of it. And it's, you know, I keep weighing in my mind of like, is this really worth it? Like the cooking every day, is it worth, you know, doing that instead of, you know, going and getting, you know, takeout from the grocery store or whatever. And it's just like, in the end, it, it actually feels like less effort, like going to the store and getting the takeout and putting it around the little boxes and all that stuff. Like that takes about the same amount of time to me. It's just like cooking. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> if the job is get takeout, like you should not be doing it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So that would be one thing. It would just be like, Okay, you get the meal, however it is. I don't care how you get it. <laughs> yeah, like I don't care if we just have like raw apples and cheese for dinner. Like somebody else is going to the store and buying it. Right. Actually, that I would, I mean, you know, when my husband travels occasionally, that is literally what we have for dinner is like raw apples and cheese and, you know, a salad. <laughs> and I'm super, super happy. Um, I just feel like it's, you know, my husband is just like, no, we need like a, you know, a real dinner. And it's just like, uh, screw real dinner. Yeah. I feel, gosh, it's so hard. Cause it's like, I get his argument. Like I get that, you know, it's nice to have a big meal, but it's like, you do, you have it six days a week already. Or right. seven. I mean, right. I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, you're not asking him to starve for you. You're not asking him to do this every day. It just seems like there has to be a breaking point at some point. Like, it's just not fair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I w ran into somebody um, that I don't see that often a few uh, weeks ago at the grocery store. And she said, you know, so I said something about my husband cooking dinner that night. And she said, oh, that's great that you share it. And I was like, yeah, if you think, do it, you know, <laughs> me doing six times as much stuff as he does is sharing. You know? <laughs> like, and she's like, whoa, are you okay? <laughs> But yeah, it's, I would like it to be more shared. I don't know if that's possible. I feel like, you know, somebody took me aside many, many years ago and said, here's the, here's the truth about marriage. The truth is that you can't change your partner. So if you want something to change, change yourself. So, I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, there's certain things you obviously you should never put up with, but, but, you know, I take that, that advice has not been bad advice over the years. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've approached this more as like, I need the reframe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just need a way to like make my peace. Just be like, okay, this is it. I don't like it. And, you know, maybe it's not fair when I, you know, put it down, like, you know, tally it up on a piece of paper or something. But yeah. it's, it's kind of where I am. All right. Well, let's talk about being Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
<laughs> do, you, do you have a meditation practice? I do not. I very, very, very long ago, I had one, I mean, like in my teens, actually, I had one and it just, I felt like I never felt like a change in my life because of it. So I don't know, things got busy and I just kind of dropped it. Mm -hmm. Meditations are very, very difficult practice to integrate in your life for, for precisely that reason. It can be very challenging to see the benefits immediately. Um, did, did you do the mindful meal challenge? I did. And actually, um, it's all your fault that I even thinking about this stuff because it came up um, <laughs> that during that when I was thinking like, you know, it wasn't like when I was doing the mindful meals because I was by myself then and um, everything. But then, you know, when I would be having dinner, I'd be like, wow, I am feeling really tense and angry right now uh, in the middle of this like beautiful dinner. And that is not a good thing. Like I can just feel like my, you know, my whole gut is like clenched mm -hmm. um, when I'm trying to actually, you know, digest this food. And um, I probably, you know, I mean, certainly I know I have been, you know, resentful of this situation for a long time, but I kind of didn't realize the whole sense of, you know, how I was feeling like in the moment of eating. Mm -hmm. Um until I did that. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, 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 the reason I, I asked if you've done it, um, was because th one of the reasons I put that program together is that I always read about the benefits of mindfulness and mindful eating and all that stuff and thought it all sounded great. Like I wanted all that in my life, but whenever I would practice it, it just felt I, it, like there was a huge disconnect for me between the practice and the results and what I was told were the results <laughs> supposed to be. And I, over the years, as I, you know, I'm actually surprised at myself for being so persistent. It's, I think it must've been, I got invited to this meditation retreat and I did a 10 day silent retreat. And that was really the turning point for me. And I know most people can't do that, but one of the, one of the things that I learned on that retreat was that I was thinking about it sort of the wrong way. And that, you know, specifically the mindful eating practice, which is something I had been working on developing, you know, I'd always just been told you have to like sit really quiet and chew on a grape and, you know, <laughs> and it's like, like I get doing that every once in a while, but like, hello, I'm a busy human and I don't, I can't do that. But once I, once I went through the, the meditation program, I realized that it, that wasn't really what it was about. It was more about acceptance of everything in the present moment. And that it was just a practice that you do, you, you build into your life, kind of like working out or cooking dinner or whatever it is, like sleeping, brushing your teeth. It's just a, a sort of a skill that you just have to work on a lot. And the more you work on it, the easier it gets. And what the skill is, is being able to recognize what's happening when it's happening and be okay with that. So in the mindful meal challenge, which by the way, if anybody is interested in the mindful meal challenge, you can go to mindfulmealchallenge.com, sign up. It's free. It's every Monday. It goes Monday through Friday. Um, and the benefit that eventually emerges when you practice all the time, and it's like building a muscle 
is like well the first step is being aware like you like you've described of what's actually happening that what what evolved as you practice more is the ability to diffuse that reaction that you get you know so not necessarily end it <laughs> like that resentment's sure. not going to go away but to be able to recognize it and realize that there's no point in fighting it that you can you know, because usually what happens is any emotion, especially a very strong emotion, it hits you, right? Like, and you don't necessarily know from where, or maybe you do, but you can't control that. It's almost like a reflex, right? Like it just comes and you tense up and you get angry and you have all these thoughts that, that tumble out of that experience. And one of the cool things about that I learned anyway, about the practice of mindfulness is that's a pretty predictable cycle. So you hit, you get hit with a trigger. And that's, that's what a trigger is, is you get hit with it. And it like sets off this chain reaction. And there's basically three realms that it, it hits. It hits your thoughts, it hits your emotions, and it hits your body. And all those things are connected. There's like two-way arrows between each of them. So one of the shocking things that I realized was that when you have a very strong emotion, like you said, there's, it tenses up in your body. But one of the things that's really awesome is that you can, once you're aware that that happens, you can consciously try to relax that part of your body and it helps you relax the thought and the feeling as well. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not perfect, but you know, if you're sitting here saying, you know, my kid's got three more years of high school left, this is something I just have to live with. Practices like that seem like the way to live with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it, you know, it sounds easier than I bet it is. Oh, it's really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really hard. Probably easier to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it might be easier to make dinner. But, you know, what, what's cool about it is it, first of all, it's not just applicable to this you know, is applicable to a lot of parts of your life. So it's just like an incredibly valuable skill, as you can imagine, not being super reactive to things is very, very valuable. But, but also there is a, it brings peace, Hmm. you know, and while like, especially at the beginning, it's a very frustrating process because you fail at it constantly, or that's how it feels when you're doing it. Eventually, like you have little moments where you can see in yourself that you were able to have the the feeling, the resentment, whatever it is in that moment and look at look at it in the face and say I know you. We've been through this before like uh, you know, carry on <laughs> and just sort of like not engage with it. Um, cause no, that's the issue is that we, we react to it. Like we, you have the feeling and then you're tense and then you start eating really fast or, you know, whatever it is that happens, it's a sure. chain reaction. And the 99% of the time it's the amplification that happens because of our reaction to it. That's the real cause of the pain and the stress we can hit, we can deal with a hit of, you know, a flood of emotion that only lasts a few seconds. It's if we fo- keep following it and we keep fueling it and sure. keep feeding it. So it brings about, like, if you can, you know, we, every once in a while, like after you've been practicing for a little while, you can experience it where you feel the hit and you don't care. Or like you can look at it and say, 
I'm not going to avoid you. I can live with you. I've lived through worse. I don't have time right now. I don't care right now. Like you do you. Sure. <laughs> Mr. Emotion. And it actually helps to give it a name because it attaches <laughs> it a little bit from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you be like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the familiar you. That's great. I don't want this battle tonight. I just want to enjoy my dinner. And you, it gives you this weird power where you can just turn your back on it. Not ignore it, like let it be and not try to fight it and push it away, but just let it be. And it just goes away on its own. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Um, and you get little hints of that. And it's not, you know, it's not always perfect. One day you might be really frustrated or you had a really long day or you didn't sleep well the night before. And, you know, it's a really hard one and nothing's going to get it to go away or stop it. But it puts so much more power in your court to be able to do this regularly. And you do get better over time. And it's kind of amazing. So, yeah. So I, you know, I generally, one of the reasons the mindful meal challenge is great is because it builds a mindfulness practice into your day during something you're already doing, which is eating. But, you know, if, if a more formal meditation practice can make that even more amazing, (laughs) you know, like a sitting practice or a walking meditation, there's a zillion different things you can do. Um, And basically what you do is you sit there quietly and you practice, you know, hearing noises and not being upset by them, get it, having an itch and not feeling like you have to react to it, you know, thinking, you know, trying to focus on your breath and then thinking of thought and like following it a little bit and being like, Oh, that happened. I just had a thought. I'm going to go back to my breath and you just doing it over and over again. And it's boring and it's frustrating. And eventually it's like life changing. Hmm. I mean, that, that definitely sounds like, um, sort of the approach I'm looking for where it's like something, you know, that I'm changing about myself or changing my attitude about, you know, because uh, like I said, I just feel like I've, I've been through so many possibilities of changing like the actual situation that um, is changing my reaction to it that I think is the, you know, might be more of the key to it. Mm-hmm. I think also I just found, you know, as I've gotten older and I hope maybe wiser is that, taking responsibility for your own stuff is really in the end is what makes me feel better about things more than, you know, just going off on this whole blame thing, you know, blaming somebody else for causing something to happen. And I don't know, it's particularly hard when I feel like, you know, no, but this time actually I am right. (laughs) I think you are. Um, (laughs) Thank you. But it's also, I mean, like I was saying, like the stuff that I have to deal with at work of just, you know, constantly having to, you know, like lift women up to in this, you know, like tech environment that I'm in or, uh, you know, just kind of those constant battles that that are real. that aren't just kind of like my, you know, warped attitude towards, you know, have just kind of just made me too tired to kind of like take responsibility for some of my own things that maybe I could so, but maybe I just need to carve out the space in my, you know, in my life to, you know, which will hopefully eventually pay off. It's just hard to kind of like jump off yeah. that cliff. It is. It is. Um, well, I, I really admire you. I really admire your willingness to do this in despite the unfairness <laughs> of the situation. <laughs> yeah, but but you're at the, at the end of the day, you're right. Like the Buddha would agree with you that you know, trying to change the world to suit your mood is a losing battle generally. I mean, in in some cases you may be right. And in other cases you may win, but 
you know, it's not always, it's not always an option. And sometimes the only option is to address what's going on inside and decide, make a choice, a conscious choice. Like, how do I run and react to this and work on that? A couple of resources for you, since uh, this sounds like something you're at least interested in pursuing. Uh, there are a lot of amazing teachers out there for this stuff. Uh, I've recommended many times on the show and, and on Summer Tomato, the book Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. Uh, she talks about just, you know, it's, it's really about accepting that present moment and accepting everything that life is giving you right now. And it's intense. It's an intense book, but it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've started that book a couple times and not gotten very far through it. It was like a little low on practical um, <laughs> approach and a lot on, I don't know, but may maybe now is the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll probably, one day it'll probably work for you. It might not be now. Um, yeah. But um, another another great resource is Jack Cornfield. He's the one who runs Spirit Rock, which is the place where I did my meditation retreat. And he's very practical. Um some of his earlier books, like A Wise Heart and some of those things are are a good resource. It's sort of premature, but my husband's actually launching a, a meditation app very soon. It's called Oak. And um, it is, I've been working, you know, I've been following, obviously, his uh, progress on it and, and helping him a little bit with the content there. It's really awesome, actually. It, and they have a huge group of beta testers. So if you go to Oak Meditation, if you Google that, uh, it, I think there's a Facebook group or, or something and you can get on the on the beta and use the app right now. And it's free, obviously. And um, the there's a few, the one, the one of the reasons I like it is because it has three things you can try. There's just very simple breathing exercises, three of them, which are just a great place to start because it's such a low threshold. You know, it's like takes three minutes or whatever to just do a breathing exercise. It sounds like you've already done some of that. Um, but that is a good place to start, you know, very low threshold practice. He, there's also, they've been working really hard on a guided meditation that does not suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in my experience, guided meditations, they're much easier for if you're, if you're just starting out on a meditation, but Usually they're done by people who've been meditating for so long that they're totally out of touch with what it feels like to not be a normal meditator. And they're, to me, they were always very alienating. I, I rarely liked that when I was first getting started. But, um, you know, he's working with a big group of new meditators and taking all their feedback and changing. He's changed it probably like 20 times already, and they're still working on refining it. So eventually that'll be a guided meditation that's optimized for new meditators, which is really cool. And then the third thing is they have a unguided meditation. So once you're ready to sort of evolve from the guided meditations and you feel like you can sit on your own, there's a really lovely function that'll just play background noise or any sort of calming noise and then do little chimes just like they do at the retreats to remind you to sort of tune back in when you when your mind wanders away. And it's a nice resource because sometimes it can be hard to just sit in silence <laughs> and, you know, it's, 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 you know, being in a meditation retreat is amazing. It's so easy to, to sit and meditate there because everyone around you is so in tune with the world and everybody's doing it. But, you know, when you're sitting in your apartment or wherever, and there's like sirens going by <laughs> or birds chirping or your kids are having an argument in the other room, like it's nice to be able to put in headphones and it feels like you're like transported to a monastery for a few minutes and, and you get to do the practice. So, um, that's a really nice resource. And I'm sure there's others out there of things you can do to, and, and, and my recommendation would be to just start really small, you know, start with five minutes a day or 
a few times a week or something like that. And, um, you know, and just, and take it like, take it like a practice. I don't know. When I first started running, you're a runner. When I first started running, I like, I started out with like the very bare minimum run, like just, just run for like 10 minutes. I got tired and I'd run home. And eventually I ran several marathons and I'd view it the same way. Just sort of like a, it doesn't matter if you're in the mood. doesn't matter if you think it's doing anything. It's five minutes. Like you can do it and just sort of make that commitment until, until you build up and start seeing results. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been thinking about starting that kind of practice or adding it into other things I do. I used to practice yoga, but then I kind of, I hurt my back doing that. So I stopped doing that. I feel like there are probably other areas of my life that probably could use that too. Just taking the time to breathe. And and I think also, I mean, it's, this is maybe not what you want to hear is like becoming a new mom, but I feel like there is something about being a mom that is just like such a long marathon. <laughs> um, that is just like, it, like I am, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously going to be a little sad when my youngest goes off to college, but I am looking forward to kind of that space just to having like my, you know, my, my brain back to myself. You're almost through. <laughs> yep. Finish lines in sight. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, do you feel like you have a, a game plan? Do you feel like you've had some shift or insight? I do. I mean, I feel like I can go, I mean, like the blue apron kind of thing, um, is, you know, like that's a definite possibility for my husband or just being the, like, get, you get dinner. I mean, those are just ways to kind of experience some relief that I think I hadn't really, I just thought those were things I would have to do, which is stupid. So that's, you know, those are just like really good practical suggestions. Um, but then, you know, for the longer term, yeah, I think that some kind of mindfulness practice or just letting it wash over me, just being like, this isn't my problem. This isn't my deal. I'm not going to engage in the bad feelings about this is probably the way to go. Okay, cool. Well, I'm cheering for you. Thank you. I wish you the best. And I kind of wish you could cook me dinner because it sounds like you're an amazing cook. (laughs) (laughs) We could arrange it sometime. Awesome. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.